Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. This is the Piffles Podcast, episode 187, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Alex. I'm Steve, and I learned that Rocky Butler is not white. <laughs> that was a very hard lesson for you to learn on Twitter there, Greg. <laughs> I can't believe how many people actually thought I was serious when I posted a picture of Tino Sinceri and called him Rocky Butler. And underneath me posting a picture of Warren Moon. And calling him Henry Burris. Like, you guys have way too much time on your hands on social media. Let's well, either that or work. I mean, yeah. And we got yeah, we got well, enjoy well. we got enjoy before Elon Musk shuts it down anyway. So, <laughs> no, no, he's giving us our freedom back. Uh, speaking of social media, you can give us a follow on Twitter at Pod, myself at Real Alex. You can find me at Safamod. And I still do not need your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Check us out on, on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Piffles Podcast. The Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Their, uh, their summer blizzard menu is out, even though it's definitely nowhere near summer yet. But definitely check out the blizzard menu because there's some good stuff on there. I hear the pumpkin spice one's coming back right away. Ooh. How soon into the show do you need me to log out? Oh no! I'm trying. I'm trying earlier and earlier every time. I I'm not in the mood for your crap today, Greg. I already got a Tino Sinceri reference in. You just did. Start singing. Just start singing, Bruno, and we're set. <laughs> Why do I keep the opening up? kickoff? <laughs> All right. The opening kickoff presented by Kathy Fashion of Royal Page or John Realty. We got rule changes, gentlemen, and not four downs, which they still have not ruled out completely. They've never come out and said that we're not going to four downs, but that's, I guess, a discussion for next offseason again. But let's get to these rule changes that were made here on Wednesday. The big one that we're going to notice the most, hash marks on the field, moving eight yards closer together. They used to be 17 yards apart. Now they're going to be nine yards apart. 28 yards away from the sideline as opposed to 24 yards away. So this basically is just to open up the wide side, make it a little bit shorter to you. And the short side is going to be just a little bit wider. So you can't just kind of throw out your token seventh Canadian there at the wide side receiver. Uh, all of a sudden he's closer to the ball. He's a little bit more important is what this does. Sure. Hey, I'm just I'm mostly excited for the for real and and Mosaic Stadium to completely botch their cut it out and paint over it uh, plan for the the hash marks they've got. I really 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 hope that they use just a slightly different green on the turf and you have to see it. And they they're too cheap. They won't fix it if they do it wrong. So it'll look exactly like the Toronto Argonauts end zone then. Oh, it'd be so good. This is their chance to turn around and fix their mistake that they made when they put the turf down. And instead, they're going to half-ass it even more. And you know what? Pro- props are real for just... They're running with it, but God, I hope it I hope it goes horribly. 
hash marks aside, the dumbest thing they ever did was stitch the logos in. But it's just, it's supposed to be a multi-purpose stadium. And if you're going to stitch in a specific field that doesn't even match the junior football, the college football, the high school football, any other football that's there is going to have to paint over the new stitched ones and paint on new hash marks every time they use it. It just seems ridiculous. The only thing more ridiculous is if they would have painted the hash marks before each really game and switched them around. I was really hoping that was going to be the plan. Um, Hunt, no yards. This is a big one, actually. No yards is now 15-yard penalty no matter what, whether the ball's caught in the air or if it's bouncing around. Before bouncing around, obviously, with a five-yard penalty. Do you guys think this will actually encourage more guys to catch the ball in the air and return it? Or is this actually going to kill the return game? I, like I said to you guys in our private chat, there's no way. Like I'm basically telling my returners now to take it on the bounce. Because regardless of what happens, it's a no-yards penalty if someone's in that, in that zone. So if you muff it and the guys are within that five yards, who cares at that point? But like I said, though, the only way you're going to get around that is if you start having guys line up on side on the punt, send in a gunner. And that way they can play it off the bounce. I'm, I'm not a fan of this. So this feels like change for the sake of change. I, I get what they're trying to do. I just don't think increasing the, the 15 yard penalty for a, on the ground or increasing to 15 yards on the ground is going to do what they want it's going to lead to next to no returns. Yeah, they want to encourage more uh, of the exciting return game of the CFL, which honestly over the last couple of seasons hasn't been that exciting, but um, I can't see it doing too much here. I think uh, like this is this is a big-time coaching thing that uh, special teams coordinators are going to have to hammer into the guys, like stay away, stay away. And I get it. They want to increase scoring. That's the main thing. Thing. You look at last year's scoring and it was just brutal most of the season. And I think it's a knee jerk reaction for something that doesn't really need to be held. But uh, whatever, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, I'm curious. That's, that's going to be the one thing I'm going to look forward to in the preseason games is how these kind of new rules are, are tinkered around with, considering we're only less than four weeks away from that first game and, and teams are just starting to get together ahead of training camp here um another rule change speaking of punts it's going to be a 15 yard penalty for kick out of bounds between the 15 yard lines it's going to it used to be between the 20s they just added five more yards which sure fine whatever just don't get any closer to the to the tens than that because kicking it out of bounds and like pinning them deep in the in the 10 within 10 yards that's a skill i know it's not a pretty skill but that's a great skill so don't don't eliminate that in years to come. Hey, some of the, bi- so, some of the biggest cheers the last couple of years was when John Ryan didn't put it in the end zone and got it out of the two. So once? I think it happened twice. <laughs> uh, drives are going to start at the 40-yard line after field goals or a rouge. That's moving it up five yards. Kickoffs are going to be from the 30-yard line as opposed to the 35. And after a safety, you kick from the 20, used to be the 25. I mean, it's five yards, big deal. Again, a little bit more geared to, okay, let's get them, let's get the offenses just a little bit closer 
to the end zone to score some points or more field goals or whatever. So it's one of those little tiny things that they're hoping is going to increase scoring. And then the final rule change that they announced was the uh, communication and penalty implementation changes. Uh, was going to give more room for the command center to change obvious mistakes from officials. I'm curious how this one's really going to translate onto the field, whether it's, you know, how many times in the last couple of seasons has a rider quarterback get hit in the head? No call. Even when they go to review, no call. Hopefully this is something that, you know, the, the, the command center can be like, look, guys, this is clearly a foul. It's, it's getting changed right now. Hopefully that's what this one does. Out of all the rule changes, this is the one that excites me the most only because of the potential it has to actually affect the game. I mean, five yards here or there, meh, might increase points a little bit. This one has the ability to actually make the game smooth and get the calls right. And those are the things we need to see. We need to make sure that we're not missing those blatant calls that happen game in and game out. If they can, if they can make use of this uh, system more effectively, then I'm I'm game for all these changes. You have way more um, faith in the CFL officials to get it right, even on review. I am sorry, I've seen way too many blown reviews to even think they'll they're going to get it right in real time via the command center. Uh, sure, let's see what happens, but it's it's going to be chaos. You know, I, I might be the only one on this group who's actually been inside that command center uh, when I did a visit at the CFL office a few years back. I'm not surprised they don't get a lot of calls right from that room. My, my bathroom is bigger than the, the room they use for uh, for command center reviews. Like, it's it's not a large room at all. Your average kitchen would be bigger in, in a, in a two-bedroom home. Like, it's, it's a tiny space, but... Uh, I'm the eternal optimist. I hope they always get them right. Unless it favors us, then get it wrong. But all these rule changes geared towards offenses to score more points. We should bring on a defensive player sometime and get their take on this because everything's geared towards the offense. You're taking away skill from the defense now on certain things. I like good defense. Like I know the CFL is is a scoring league, and that's what they want to get back to after you know the last five years. Scoring's gone down and down and down each and every year. But there's something to be said about a defense that can totally shut you down as well too, and that need, still needs to be celebrated on the field and by the league as well. So I know the casual fan loves the the 38-35 shootout game that goes to overtime. And that's great. You can have great games like that, but you can have really good lower scoring games if the defenses are playing well. And it's big plays made by the defense. So hopefully we're not going to lose a lot of those big plays by the defense because of changes, but most of them are special teams ones anyway. So I'm not too terribly worried about that this season. We'll see what happens next year. All right, moving on here on the Piffles podcast. We haven't talked about the theme games that the uh, Riders announced for this upcoming season, which, uh, I'll be honest, was lazy. It was lazy. It's poor marketing. It's the exact same thing as before. Guys, Labor Day game, that's not a theme. That's a day. Apparently, the Riders think it is. Whatever. Country night. Oh, 
the same one we have every single year. Cool. That's a theme. Is that really going to make you want to go to a game and, and buy tickets? When you They'll know sell, you're a bunch of, your sell a bunch of Ryder Cowboy hats. Maybe. Probably not. I mean, they all bought them the last few years. <laughs> true enough. I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of these. The like, I mean, the the uh, I'm blanking on how they worded it, but the uh, the lights out intro that they do in the lights out game. I love the intro with the lights out. I think that's great. That should be every night game. They should do that. That's fantastic. That's not a theme. Turning the lights off in commercials, not a theme. Like that's sorry, that doesn't make me want to buy a ticket to the game. It's and that's awesome, what they should be awesome entrance. Yeah, you can't mark an entire night around that. But you you want to look at themes? Go a few provinces over to Ottawa. They announce theme nights, and some of them are very similar to what we have here. They've got a Canada Day theme. They've got an All In, which is kind of like our Mosaic Night theme. You know, Legacy Night would be similar to our Plaza of Honor. It's the team celebration. They've got a Kids Night. But they also went and did, uh, they got a superhero night. They've got Oktoberfest. They've got Halloween. Those are themes. When's Those Mardi Gras things... <laughs> uh, A decade ago. Wrong, wrong owner. <laughs> Two decades ago. But like those those are actual themes that get can, can get fans dressed up and having a good time. You know, I can show up to superhero night. I mean, I show up to every game like it's superhero night, but other fans could join me in it. Oktoberfest. Okay, well, it's just an excuse to drink beer and, well, drink beer. I mean, you can wear later hosen if you want, but pretty sure most people are just going to drink beer. But like how the people that are going to wear the later hosen aren't aren't the people you (laughs) want to be wearing the later (laughs) hosen. Halloween's a great one. If the riders had a game around Halloween and they actually did a Halloween night, I mean, people still dress up anyways. Make the make it a thing. Don't just expect people to do it. You want to call them theme nights, give them an actual goddamn theme, and stop getting lazy marketing. You said it best. Stop it. They've pretty much decided. They pretty much decided they've got their concert series, and then they're just going to slap a title on every game. So it's cool. So it's yeah, it's the same thing every year. And Jeff Moskaluk, I'm assuming, is there on country night? Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, Jojo Mason. Like, I mean, it's. I mean, nothing against them by any means because they're they're good talents, but spice it up a little. Don't go with the same ones over and over again. Like it's just boring to me now. How many times do I need to see a six minute Jess Moskaluk set? Like it's just it's that it doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't really make you want to go to the game and get into football. And that's what they need to do with these gate theme games and marketing just in general is get the casual fan. Like they're, I think I feel like the riders are going too hard at the hardcores that are going to be there no matter what, just in general with their marketing, that they're not bringing anybody new in. Now, last year, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt last year, obviously, still with COVID restrictions and, and whatnot. There's limited as to what they can do. This year, I think, is the most important year in a long, long time for the riders, just to bring people back, get back out into the community. Look what Edmonton's doing with Victor Kui. I cannot say enough good things about Victor Kui and what he's done and what he's doing there in Edmonton to make it the community again. Hopefully we get that from the riders this year and they can get back to actually, you know, go going to small schools and in and, and small towns and bringing in the younger 
generation of fans. Hopefully they can get back to doing that, and I'm sure they will, but got to start seeing the results again soon because attendance since the first season at Mosaic Stadium has gone down and down and down. This season, I'm. it's going to be really telling to see what, the, uh, what it's going to be like this year in a great cup year, what the attendance is going to be. Like normally that's when your interest is peaked. I'm worried that it's there's gonna be a lot of empty seats this year. I just have this gut feeling that it's not gonna be pretty. And I feel that's all over the CFL. Like I think there's you have your your hardcore fans that are gonna go all the time. You have a, a good population of casual fans, but after that there's nothing. And you don't have the people that are going to go to one game a year anymore. And those are the people you really need to get into. Like you need to tap that market and the league this year really needs to do that. And um, we're going to save this for the uh, traditional bring company odds and end zones, but like the videos that are coming out, Ottawa doing their series behind the R DC now has their arrow up. Their first episode uh, just came out with uh, calling the quarterbacks and it's Nathan Rourke. Edmonton just released a couple trailers for their behind the scenes uh, featuring Chris Jones. And I can't wait for this one. Like, I mean, we can get into this right now if we want, but like, give me, give me Chris Jones behind the scenes, unfiltered, make it a 30 for 30. I don't care. Like seven minutes is not going to be enough, but like, you got to get these videos out. Every team needs to do it outside of those three teams. Nobody's doing anything. And I feel like that needs to come from the CFL office. Like, hey, guys, we're, each team is going to do a series. Release them on different days. Stagger them out however you want. You guys can decide what you want to put in this. But every team needs to do something. Because that's the only way you're going to get fans involved is by seeing this stuff. And latching on to players. Make it about the players. So that you can sell jerseys. You can sell the game. Sell the players. And bring people into the stands. You got nine teams. Each team puts out a video like seven minutes. You put three of those together. You got 21 minutes, which is your standard half hour TV block. TSN puts it up and you just rotate through the teams. Yeah, you can put it online or you put it as a compiled series on TSN where people that do not go on the internet can follow it. Like this week is Edmonton, Calgary, and BC. Like it's not that hard. And that's a really good point you made there, Greg. Is TSN. You have to have them involved in it. It has to be on TV because, cool, if I see it on YouTube, great. How many people are actually going directly to YouTube to see CFL stuff? Honestly, I don't know because I'm not a big YouTuber, right? So, like, I'd be the wrong person to, to speak on that. But I don't feel like the CFL's audience is flocking to Twitter, to Facebook, to YouTube to watch videos. You put it on TSN once a week. Hey, it's only going to be on Wednesday at seven o'clock Eastern, whatever team it's going to be, make sure you, people are going to record it. I would record it and I'll watch it for sure. Get it on TV. And TSN has to be a better partner that way, because honestly, with what TSN does for the league, cool. I guess you pay the bills with your TV rights, but they don't really do much for the CFL. I get it. Hockey season. They got the NBA playoffs on right now, but TSN that they're going big on, but just CFL is exclusively yours. You need to make that a big deal. And TSN doesn't. And if they don't want to do that, it's time you start looking elsewhere if you're the CFL. 
but the problem is there is nobody else that wants the CFL on TV because, well, Sportsnet, are, are they going to go after it? No, they don't care about the CFL at all. They're all in a, on the Blue Jays. That's their property. Outside of that, what do you have? And then, yeah, CBC doesn't do sports anymore, so you're pretty, pretty uh, limited pickings. All I know is I hope CBC does it, and we just get Devin Haru talking CFL football uh, for every blazer with the orange blazer. Can we bring yeah. back the orange blazers? <laughs> Sign me up. There's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Feston of Royal Pager John Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Uh, we'll uh, get to the draft. The CFL draft is next week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We do have one piece of uh, it was announced last week and then deleted on Twitter because of negative reaction, question mark, maybe. Now, I personally have to be careful about this based on who I work for. We're talking about the new voice of the riders, Michael Ball, Ballsy of the Wolf, now CKRM. I'm the producer of their direct competitor. So I am going to kind of stay out and say... Best of luck? Question mark? We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And I know, Steve, you have to be kind of careful with this, too, based on who your employer is. So that kind of leaves Greg to be the voice ah. of the Pipple podcast on this one. One second, I guess Greg, I'm doing all the heavy lifting right now. Ah. All right. Well, uh, we'll let you take it away. Uh, first of all, I, I need to preface this that uh, anything that comes out of my mouth is uh, not the opinion of Alex J. Dormuth or Stephen Q. Uh, Safnick. And I don't care if those are not their real middle names. I'm going with them anyways because Alex looks like a J and Stephen looks like a Qbert. So I want to preface this. I also want to preface this by saying Ballsy may do a good job as a play-by-play guy he might he's done he has enough history as a regina rams play-by-play announcer he's got got the experience the problem is and uh derek taylor kind of shot his shot uh the other day when the announcement came out that this is a Great day for office bullies, I think was the exact tweet. And I don't feel like looking it up. To which he actually subtweeted. He didn't say who it was about, but if you knew anything that was going on, it was very obvious on what he was talking about. And the fact that it actually got amplified because a bunch of Ballsy's uh, co-workers and friends decided to attack Derek directly about it, just amplified it and had a lot of people going, what is this about? I have problems with them rewarding Ballsy for what is being rumored as bad behavior. I There's been a lot of moving parts. I know a lot of people that have knew what was going on. And the fact that Ballsy got the job by basically being such a dick to Derek Taylor to make him quit is a joke. And... I'm happy for Derek that he got out. I'm happy for Derek that he is taking over for Bob Irving. The Bombers got themselves a good play-by-play announcer. 
And like I said, Ballsy might be good, but Ballsy has obviously the way he got the job and his extracurriculars on social media that holy crap, how that none of that stuff disqualified him. I don't know. Not not to mention the the fun that he had on the Collins show talking about uh, the COVID shots. <sighs> how this is good for the CKRM slash rider brand, I don't know. To the fact that when I'm just going to say it because he actually admitted it on his podcast uh, last week, John Frazier was approached by the writers after the deadline to apply for the play-by-play job. Um, John Frazier, who um, on Twitter, also he used to be the former voice of the Saskatchewan Rush, great play-by-play guy, has done play-by-play for the Saskatoon Hilltops, would have been a great fit. And CKRM basically said, no, we're, we're not good. We're, we don't need you because it's past the deadline, even though the writers reached out directly to John and asked him to apply. And CKRM basically said, too bad, so sad. We're not, we don't care if the writers want you. <sighs> I don't think this is going to end well. If I understand that Twitter's an echo chamber. Uh, Rider fans, also not a lot of fans on that forum uh, to this. So who knows? Maybe attendance will actually go up because no one will want to listen to it on the radio. I I have troubles with this. I don't know how this is going to go. Um, like I said, in short bursts, as play-by-play, Ballsy might be good. But I really think CKRM made a very bad mistake here, both in how they handled this and who they promoted because – I I don't want to get too much into specifics, but this is this is a joke. I hate every minute of it, and I thank God I got season tickets, or I'll be watching on TSN. I do have two quick comments on this. Uh, one is that we need to clarify that this is a CKRM decision, even though he is the voice of the riders. This was not a riders hire, so yes. make of that what you will. And- and also, I find it curious that there was no major big tease or announcement or anything when Ooh, Derek Taylor actually, got the I, job. I, the Rider, yeah. Riderville posted a, an article on it. They made a big deal. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders Facebook and Twitter pages had it all over the place. Not this time. The Sports Gage put out their tweet about it, and later it got deleted and hasn't been added since. I have a feeling I know why. Yes. But take a take that for what you will. And also take what you will is Regina Media Market is so small that no one plays in each other's sandboxes. No one spoils each other's parties. I'm I was shocked, shocked that the leader post um announced it based on sources when let's fit well, I knew a week in advance that Ballsy got the job. Like, no offense, I'm no more plugged in than the leader post guys are. They they had to know as soon as I knew. The fact that they ran with it just cracks me up because no one does that in this town. Like, we heard rumors that Derek Taylor was the next voice of the writers back then. No one ran with it until CKRM made the announcement. Like, it just, it tells you what people think about this by the way they've acted and the way they've rolled this out. The only ones that are happy about it are, is the sports cage and ballsy, it seems. 
like, uh, like you said, the the same guy signs my paycheck as signs uh, uh, Ballsy's paycheck. So I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna respectfully bow out of this conversation. But I I'm with with Greg in that I don't know that this was the right choice. I I just don't see. I don't know. It seems odd that the arguably the biggest radio job in the CFL didn't get a lot of big names. Like there was no rumors of anybody big. It was just silence, 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 ballsy. Like it it seems to me that they had their mind made up from the start. I feel that this gig itself, just in general, regardless of what station it's on, isn't as big a deal as it used to be. It's not as glamorous as people think it is in terms of one of the most sought after gigs in Canada. It's not. And I think that this whole process showed that. Because if so, you'd have maybe a guy who's unemployed like Rod Black. Whether Ryder fans love him or hate him, generally speaking, Ryder fans hate Rod Black. But the man is very talented and can do a great job in that role and knows the league inside and out and has contact. And if you're not getting guys like that who are currently not really doing anything other than some gambling stuff. That's kind of telling to me. And that's, that's, that's the thing on the riders. That's, that's just the brand is um, it's not as big as it used to be. It's not as big as they think it is. So I am curious to see how that all plays out just in general, in terms of marketing overall, anyway, not just talking about specifically the voice of the riders or the sports cage or ball or whatever. The overall brand of the riders, I think, has taken a hit over the last few years, and this reflects that to me. It also did not look good when Derek Taylor packed up and went to the Bombers, and it the media the media world is small. These guys talk like anyone they wanted, or anyone who wanted to apply probably jumped into Derek's DMs or had him on speed dial, going, "Hey, what what what's going on? Why'd you leave? You don't leave a." F- flagship job to take another one at a different team unless there's something going on and like it's and actually Derek early in the situation is anyone who wants to know anything about the writers play by play give me a call like it's communications is a small business it's a big business but it's a small world in that business and People get paid to talk, and that's what people do. They talk. It's just, yeah, I like, like I said, I like I said, Ballsy might be good. Like from the f- few things in the Rams, he knows he knows how to call a game. I just when, when you when you look at what like the him. actual gig itself is, he's very qualified for it. He's done the play-by-play stuff before for the Rams. He's hosted shows and obviously currently hosting the sports cage as well before this announcement. So in terms of that itself, he is qualified. Like you said, it's some of the extracurriculars that. Disqualify most people. If his, if if his name was not Michael Ball and he already worked for Harvard, I think it would disqualify most people. But. All right. Well, let's get to uh, some on-field stuff here. The CFL draft coming up on Tuesday 
at uh, 6 p.m. May the, what is that, the 3rd? Oh, right before Star Wars Day, Nerd Day. Um, Steve, I know it's a big day for you. Right? It's like, May the 4th. It's like Christmas. It's your pumpkin spice day. <laughs> so the Riders have the seventh overall pick in the first round of that. Without getting into specific names, because I'll be honest, I don't really follow enough university sports to really know a lot of these guys. So that's just something I'm just ignorant on. I just don't know enough about it to say, oh, they need to take this person or this person. When the Riders are drafting this year, based on what they have for Canadian talent, do you guys think the Riders should be drafting for positional need or drafting best player available? They're going to draft a, best player available. They're going to draft they have a, so a U of much. Husky first. <laughs> That's the way it goes. It's a U of S Husky first. It doesn't matter what position they play. It's going to be a U of S Husky or a Husky for Steve. So just sorry, Steve, Husky. Husky. I, for how the team is right now, for how their, their roster is filled out, they have enough quality Canadian talent that the riders need to be smart and take the best player available. They need a no, couple of O-linemen yeah. because you always need Canadian O-linemen. But you can get those throughout the draft. Now, the top-ranked O-lineman is Noah Zer out of the U of S, the Huskies. If he's still there at seven, I think there's zero doubt the riders pass on him. Like, they're not going to pass on him. They're taking him 100%. But if he goes before then, I don't see them going after a guy like, on the defensive line, uh, Nathan Cherry out of the U of S. I feel like they could probably get him in the second round, maybe from the, from the rankings that I've seen, he still might be there. Now this is, if Noah Zer goes earlier on to somebody else or fifth, sixth pick, we'll say, I think the riders need to go at receiver for that first round pick because Lenius is gone. Terrell Jenna retired. So you have a couple depth guys that you just drafted over the last couple of years gone already. So outside of Keen Schaefer Baker, Jake Hardy, I like the guy. I really do. Good on him for getting back on the field last year. He's a rotational guy at best on offense. He's more of a special teams guy, and that's where he'll be this year, assuming that he makes the roster. Mitch Pickton, okay for a backup. Don't really want him starting. We're being... You know, truth circle here, guys. He got he got more he got more targets than Shaq Evans in the playoff game last year. Yeah, in the West Final, he did. I almost got more <laughs> targets than Shaq Evans did in the playoffs last year. <laughs> oh, if looks could kill people, I, I'd be dead. What Alex just gave me. It was more of an eye roll than anything, but yeah, I think the Riders need to get at least in the first couple rounds. Anyway, they got to go risky. That's the only position that I think they should really go after. Defensive line, I can see them going after a guy or two in the mid-round, like if like a Nathan Cherry or I think it's his last name was Pickett with the uh, with the Huskies as well. I can see them going for him if he's there in the third or fourth or wherever. But it sure looks like they're going for Americans on that D line, and I don't think a huge pressing need to get Canadian defensive linemen in there for the Riders. I think this is a very balanced team in terms of uh, the Riders' Canadian depth. And the offensive line, I think, will be fine this year. They got their tackles sorted out uh, now that there's no injuries there. You have the, the inside three, who we know it's going to be, Evan Johnson, Dan Clark, 
and um, Logan Furland. You have Matlin Riley coming up as well, too, who was drafted. Logan and Bandy. Logan Bandy as well. Yeah, UFC product from last year drafted. They're, I mean, they're, they're solid there, but you can never have enough guys there. So if you can uh, get, one of, get, an, get another younger guy in there, I could push maybe your six man out, Josiah St. John, and be done with that project. Hey, and don't forget that Simba. Younger guys. We got Simba too, man. Yep, the Lion King. That's right. That dude's huge. What is he, 6'8, 320 or something like that? He's a big dude. <laughs> so I'm I'm interested to see how this team kind of shakes up in in training camp here. Now that we actually have a training camp, I think that hurt all teams last year. Now that we're back to a full normal schedule with a training camp leading into into preseason and having preseason games, this season's going to look a lot different than next than last season. So I'm really looking forward to that. Get your bikes ready, Saskatoon. I'll be asking. It's almost that, time for my annual rant. Yeah, we're getting there. Oh, we've <laughs> missed that rant. It's going to feel like uh, a real CFL season if we actually get that bad boy out for another year. It's been three years. Yeah, I think uh, maybe on the, the pre-training camp uh, edition that we have coming up in a couple weeks, we'll, uh, we'll get to relive that beauty <laughs> rant of mine. <laughs> and the uh, final thing we'll talk about this week here was uh, there's a lot of talk about it, and this kind of circles back to the rule changes. It wasn't something that was implemented this year. I thought it was way too early for them to do anyway. Um, might be something more for next year. The whole idea of the, the naturalized Canadians and rewarding American players by giving them Canadian status. Um, oh, Greg, I can see is not a fan of this whatsoever. The CFL, whenever they can to lie to themselves and make an American a Canadian, Alex Singleton, they'll do it. If there's any kind of tie to Canada that this guy had, Oh, he crossed the border once, went to Niagara Falls on vacation. Canadian. <laughs> That's what the CFL does. And, like, it's, it's kind of a joke, but whatever. Ben Cahoon, really? Come on. This guy didn't step foot in Canada until pros. I haven't seen so many fake Canadians since Elix Skipper and Hacksaw Jim Duck in WCW. That reference oh, is for, like, ten oh, people. USA! USA! <laughs> I'd love me Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like... Don't get me wrong. I understand this, the veteran players, American veteran players complaints that the, the younger Canadian guys are getting more of a shake than American players because of the ratio. I, I get it. I do. But offering them basically fake citizenship because they spent so many years with the team is a joke. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter, and they, okay. but then then they, then they complain that the young, the young Americans beat them out. I'm like, yeah, that's football. Sorry, that's football. There's a reason why the average is less than three years of service in any professional league, uh, football league, is because there's always new players coming up. See, but the, if you if you do this, you eliminate the need for guys like Josiah St. John to continue taking up a roster spot a decade after being drafted first and doing nothing. I'm in favor of this. I I used to be the biggest, uh, you know, supporter of the Canadian ratio. I, I think it's great. You get Canadian guys jobs. That's fantastic. 
But I'm now at the stage where I want to see the best guys on the field. And if all 24 of those guys come out of the States, so be it. Give me the best players you can find. You're now going up against multiple spring leagues. You've got the NFL expanding all over the world. You've, you've got so many pools where there, where there's going to be talented players. Why are you forcing a roster to hold, hold 20 plus Canadians when five of them should see the field? And I realize this is not going to be a, po- a popular response to most CFL fans. And this would have not been something I said two, three years ago. But I've completely flipped on it. I'm with you. If you crossed the border and took a vacation, you're Canadian. You get you get another you get that spot. I want to see 24 of the best players on the field. I don't care where they're from. I'm officially on board with nat with whatever they call it, naturalized Canadians, fake Canadians, whatever you want to call this rule. Sign me up. Because I'm sick of token Canadian roster spots. That that seventh receiver that always gets a spot and never sees the ball. Here's but here's the problem though. The token Canadian pro- thing is a problem. That's because teams aren't creative where they put their Canadians. They just slot. Like we we'll we'll put the wide side. No one cares about the wide side receivers too far for the American quarterbacks to hit anyway. We'll just put a Canadian way out there. Draw one of their defensive backs. We'll, we'll, we'll do the d- defensive line. That's why guys like, I hate to say it's Andrew Harris, guys like um, um, uh, Lacombo are going to be a big deal. Like when you have those, and I hate this term, skilled position players that can play, it changes the ratio up. But they're too, they're too used to like, we'll jam our uh, offensive line full of Canadians because you can hide them in the middle. As long as the tackles are giant Americans, no one's going to care. No one is creative. Like, and the worst part is our best Canadian players are playing in the NFL now anyway. So it doesn't really matter. So yeah, maybe tweak the ratio, but this naturalized Canadian thing is garbage. But you just said it right there. The fact that they have to go around and hide Canadians on the roster. You don't have to. They they choose to because it's lazy. It's well, they choose to because they can't find enough to fill the positions to begin with. If you, no, if you course, had to choose between letting those guys play on the field or pulling in uh, players out of NCAA football where they grow up playing football in competitive leagues two days after they learn to walk, what are you, you going to choose? If you don't have to have seven Canadians on the when field you, when you got game, Canadian players sitting on a practice roster in the States where they could actually have playing time up here, making more money, that's part of the problem as well. How do you fix that? Give Canadians more money? That'll piss off the Americans even no, more. No, this league needs to make more, pay their players more money, but that comes back around to the marketing thing. You want to you want to see how you pay players more money? Stop overvaluing Canadian roster spots. There's no reason why those three middle O linemen that you have to hide should be making more than the tackles that are keeping them honest, right? So. You, you want to talk about getting those hey, guys you, more money? You, you do equal not pull out the roster. No, no, I'm fine with that. That that is that is a structure thing that I complain about every year. The fact that players are overpaid, especially when you've got three players making a quarter of your cap, that's garbage. That's also because GMs don't know how to use a calculator. Or if you're Edmonton, you give away all your bonus money and you can't afford to do anything, anything else. But 
it's no like you're you're not wrong about the the pay structure but that's because the guys have smart agents i'm sorry if the gms aren't smart enough to make value their players to where they need to be league needs to step in and actually start doing like max contracts but because those care. those spots are forced they inherently become more valuable if you have a guy like andrew harris who is a Canadian in one of those skill positions outside of your typical spots, he's infinitely more valuable there than a guy equal to his talent. Why? Because he's Canadian. So as long as that, as long as the ratio is there, as long as you have that there, you're never going to be able to fix that problem. Who's more valuable? Who's more valuable? Schaefer Baker or Shaq Evans right now? Keon Schaefer Baker. Because production or because he's Canadian? Because of production. But who's and and in that instance, sure, you you can cherry pick your spot. Now find me every old offensive line in the league. Where where's your money there? At the tackles? Where in the NFL it's the tackles that are making the most money for very good reason. Yet here it's going to the three Canadians on the middle. Why? Because they're Canadian. There is no other reason. Because they need to fill those spots, and those guys are automatically more valuable if they have even close to the amount of skill as the guy, as the American who might replace them. I'd rather see the best guy on the field. And I don't deny you're wrong on that. I don't. I would like to see the best player on the field, but I also, I'm not a live or die by the ratio guy by any means. And maybe I'm a little close to it now, especially that I'm, I I watch a lot of junior football and there's a lot of really great players there, but I don't know. Like there's, there's got, there, there is a compromise somewhere, but at the end of the day, the CFL guys don't know how to run a cap properly half the time. And, but the naturalized Canadian thing, I, I, but that's the closest you'll get to taking those, those American guys and valuing them closer to their Canadian counterpart. Okay, but here's the problem, Steve. There's still tons of young Americans that are coming up. Those veteran spots are garbage anyway. But but not, they aren't because of the ratio, because they're Canadian. They're now Canadian, right? But you can't can't make them all Canadian. No, but you get three. It's going to be a a glorified franchise tag. It's essentially what it is. It's but like how, it's the CFL version of a franchise tag. The biggest problem we have right now is, and we we can both agree on that from a financial standpoint, is that a Canadian and an American of equal talent are not paid even close to the same. No, right? right like we agree with that. So at least this rule gives three players on the roster the the opportunity to even out that money. And when you start to do this, those Canadian value contracts will drop down and meet the Americans alongside them. You're going to see a little bit of a balance. It's not going to be enough yet, but it's a start. It's going to start balancing out those those contracts to the point where you might see some equality. But look at look at what a team like Winnipeg did, and I can't believe I'm using them as a good example. <laughs> Most of their money is on their American players. Their top American players are getting paid like they should. So their Canadians, because they got rid of Andrew Harris, are back in the middle of the pack. Like, and that includes the, their running backs and uh, Nick Dembski. And that, it, that comes it, down it to, po- to it good is, draft. It is, it is possible 
it's just, like I said, GMs are lazy. Coaches are lazy. They've got their spots, and that's where they put them. Winnipeg had three solid Canadian running backs last year. I thought they would keep one of them. They kept two of them and sent the old guy packing. And they've got, they've got a third on the roster who hasn't played yet in Borsa. Now, of course, this is all geared towards um, keeping players longer. And, and that's the big problem with them. You know, fans always say, especially casual fans, I have no idea who's on this team because there's so much player turnover because obviously football careers are short. Players jump around from team to team in the CFL because they can make an extra 15K somewhere else. And in the NFL, an extra half a million doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot to some of these guys that are making 40 million a year. But in the CFL, an extra 15K, that's a big deal. So you got to find a way to entice guys together. And it goes again to this whole marketing talk with the CFL where you want to build your brand. People didn't care that Weston Dressler was American. Half, half the fans thought he was Canadian. So he was a 5'7 white guy. That's why they thought he was players. But you got to keep these players in one place for a while. But it was a good comment that Zach Claros made um, after the Great Cup was, it makes no sense whatsoever for me as a player, and I'm not saying to other players, don't sign longer-term deals, makes no sense for me to sign anything more than a one-year deal, even if I do plan on being there longer because you give the team all the control and there's nothing guaranteed. If there was guaranteed contracts in the CFL, it's absolutely worth it to sign on your contract because the team still has to pay you out for it and they still have if they decide to cut you. So Zach Laros is right. It makes no sense whatsoever to want to stay with a team and give them long-term commitments, and that's a problem. So that's something that the CFL really, really needs to look at. And when you talk about naturalized Canadians, the idea that maybe each team can have three of them. I went through the Riders roster. There's only three Americans that have been here long enough to actually qualify for something like that. And that's Jack Evans, Tyron Moore, and Nick Marshall. So cool. There's your extra three. But everything else? There's, there hasn't been Americans that have been here long enough on the riders to classify as one of these naturalized Canadians. And I don't think it should be, oh, you spent four years in the league. No, it should be four years with a team. If you want to jump around every single year, cool, great, go for it. Get the money that way. I'm all for it. By all means, like I, I personally don't get attached to players because I understand it's a business for them too. They have to get their money, especially when the average career is only three to four years. So I'll never fault the guy for, for going somewhere else for money, ever. But casual fans, they want to know who, outside of the starting quarterback, you think casual fans really know more than two players on any team right now? Probably not. And that's a problem. That's what the league needs to, to get towards. So whether you agree with this naturalized Canadians or not, the league needs to find a way to make something work where guys want to stick around long term. I feel like the riders are a bad example for the, uh, for the naturalized Canadians rules after, after what Chris Jones did when he, when he joined the roster and cut anybody with a pulse. I, yeah. it, there, there's gotta be a balance somewhere. I, I'm with you there. And that's why I'm glad they didn't implement that this year with the rule changes. I feel like it would have been way too much too fast 
and you got to give like a year's notice on this because GMs will then start to formulate their teams based on that as well too. And you'll see the market kind of get a little bit closer between Canadians and American players in the pay scale. Well, there's, there's also a lot to go with it, like contract status. Um, it, what happens if you trade one of those naturalized Canadians? Can you trade one of those naturalized Canadians? Like there, there's going to be a lot of, and at that point, what is that guy's value to the other team? Does he carry over that status for that season or not? It's, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts with this idea, but I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a fan of it. There's got to be a better way. I just, this is not the way to me. I haven't seen That's a rant that pick. heated, Greg, since, since you and uh, Alex talked Greek food. Oh, there's going to be another one coming. Goody rings. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Who's against goody rings? Alex. Whoa. To, to be fair, I'm generally against all store-bought cookies. That's fair. 95% of them suck. Absolutely suck. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm privileged because my wife is an incredibly talented cookie baker. And those are the cookies I'm now accustomed to. But generally speaking, store-bought cookies suck. And goody rings. There's another one. There's another one this week. I said some cabbie's going to hear about this someday, and I can't remember what it is. We'll have to look back on that. We'll have we'll have more rants. Yeah. We need we need another CFL week so we can oh. like rant out. The CFL does need another CFL week. That was yeah. Uh, that that, that and, was a good and, way. That was a good way to get players out there amongst fans, and it was good for like podcasts like ours where we could get a bunch of interviews that we just can't get any other time. Like it, it was a media blitz. Riders is localized. Yeah, even if it's localized in a market. At least that brings some buzz. Yeah, and uh, after that it was in Winnipeg because it was here first, and then it was in Winnipeg. They were rumored to go to Ottawa, and that never happened. And then because of the uh, well, of here's a shock because the the CFL and the CFLPA didn't have a, a collective agreement until the week of training camp. That never happens. Which which is going to be the case again this year. These guys, I love them and I hate them. Like, at some point, get your crap together. I understand that pressure makes diamonds. It's really annoying to fans. Because it happens, and the same thing happens every time. Uh, we'll, we'll nudge a few percentage points here and there, and that's it. Like, come on. The money hasn't gotten any better. Try to figure it out. <sighs> and with that... We'll leave it there for the week. And uh, next week, we'll be talking uh, CFL draft, obviously, who the riders pick up, where some of the staff guys go. And then after that, guys, we're only a week away from then from rookie camp. So we're only two weeks away from rookie camp right now. Wait, wait, wait you're expecting me to do this weekly again? Well, we'll see. Do, do, do I have enough beer? Probably for should. <laughs> do I have enough beer to do the weekly show? Oh, anyway. I don't know why you guys keep putting me in charge of handing out the beer. I got enough beer for me. I don't know about you guys. We'll talk. talk. (laughs) That's the Piffles Podcast. Of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal of Pages on Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. 
Civils Podcast is a proud member of the CFPN Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Uh, my favorite part of the show, when I no longer have to see you guys anymore, but it's also when Steve <laughs> gives me the old uh, two-finger salute. Um, but Greg Singh, along with Tyler Gilbert, goes behind your mind. Ballsy sucks. Ballsy sucks. Ballsy sucks.